This podcast was recorded live on February 4th at 10 p.m. Things may have changed since the time of this recording. Please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I am Samori, your host, and the fellas are here for another episode of SJH Man Cave. We are live on Facebook and looking forward to another fantastic conversation. You can follow our Facebook page at SJH Man Cave and our Facebook group at SJH Podcast Family to get notified when we're going live and engage in conversations we have throughout the week. You can also see our videos on YouTube at SJH Man Cave. And with all that being said, Let's dive right in. And Hudson, I think you wanted to talk about your week. I cheated on my diet, y'all. But let me tell you why, right? Let me tell you why. Don't be shaking your head. Let me tell you why. Already? Okay. Look, you haven't even been on this long, right? So, so no, but look, see, here's the thing. Uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, my, my wife, she was like, we're going to do the 21-day fits. And when I found out what it involved food-wise, it was more intense than what I was already doing. So I was like, oh, no, I need I need another cheat day if I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to go to this. <laughs> so so backtracked, did a cheat day, and then went on the 21-day fits. And basically what it is, it's a workout program that you do for 21 days straight. And then it has a meal, a supplement meal plan that you have to follow. But you get these cups. And and you get a designated amount of food in those cups. So it's divided into proteins, vegetables, fruits, grains, right? And they each have a different color. I can have five cups of vegetables a day, and I can have four cups of fruits a day, right? Based on my size and what amount of calories they want me to eat, right? So, mm-hmm. but it, it, like, that's a ton, believe it or not, that's a ton of vegetables, though. And I'd be sitting there struggling to try to eat. I mean, you don't have to eat everything, but I'm having trouble getting through five whole cups of vegetables. But on the other hand, it sucks because you like you only get one little cup of healthy fats. And this cup is little. Like it, it's not an eight ounce cup because they're different size cups. This cup is like like maybe a not even a quarter cup, maybe an eighth cup. Right. And and it's like a healthy fat. So it's like cheese. So I can get this tiny cup of cheese for the whole day. <laughs> right. For the whole day. I can't have no other cheese. And that's it. So I'm up there rationing cheese, dividing it up, all that kind of. OK, I'll do a half a cup here for my eggs this morning. <laughs> what? You all right? You toast tolerant anyway. What you need cheese for? I, it's yeah, the, you, you, you've been getting on me for the last, I don't know how long when I talk about milk, but you 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 scrounging for cheese. I thought you was lactose intolerant. It's the milk that gives me the problems. The cheese, cheese I can tolerate. Okay? <laughs> you 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 off track, now, brother. Let it go. Brother, let it go. Brother, let it go. You off Yo, track. He says it's not going to make sense. It all comes from the same says. thing. I don't track. zero sense, I guarantee you. <laughs> you off track, brother. We all, I'm talking about the fits I'm on, okay? Just stay on topic. We ain't worried about cheese versus milk. Drink your cup of milk. I'm gonna eat my little cup of cheese. Okay. I've been I've been doing this fits and I actually it feels good. Like throughout the day, I've been feeling much better. The workouts hit me hard the first couple of days. Well, okay, sorry, the first week. 
the first week those workouts hit me like a ton of bricks. And I could barely get up after the first day. I could barely get up. Some more years like that time I went with you and you and Sam to Hyde Park. And, and I did that workout with y'all. You know, remember I almost threw up. I had to sit down. I almost threw up yeah. over there. Yeah, that's how I was the first day I did this. And it's like it's similar type training, you know. So, so you know, but after a week, I'm starting to get my groove, you know. I'm starting to actually get through the whole thing almost without stopping. Like today, I got almost through the whole thing. I had to stop at the very end. That exercise was a little tough. But it's, it's starting to feel good, and, and the workouts is starting to come back to me now. You know, I guess a little muscle memory from back when I was working out in college. You know, <laughs> but but it's it's starting to feel good now, and I and I think now I see some habits I want to try to keep. You know, like I said, I don't want to do all this workout and not be able to enjoy a cheeseburger. You know, like I to me that's stupid. You know, I'm going to do all this work and I can't even have a cheeseburger. I'm, I'm going to eat like a rabbit for the rest of my life. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to try my best to maintain things like having those five cups of vegetables uh, and things like that. Because I think if I have that many vegetables throughout the day, I'm good. I think I'm good. You know, I'm better than most. So I'm going to try to maintain that. And, and you know, I think it's going to be a lot of good coming out of it. I've lost eight pounds so far uh, at my at my first weigh-in. Awesome. So I'm hoping to see. I, I can't wait to see what happens. But I, it probably won't be nothing like eight pounds the first time. I'm sure a lot of that was water weight. Right. But, you know, I'm excited to see where I'm going to be at the end of, uh, not the end of this week, but the end of next week. It'll be the, actually the last day is on Valentine's Day. So I can't wait for it, you know, especially since I'm trying to line up what my cheat meals are going to be that Monday. Yeah, I'm already talking about cheating because <laughs> after this, I'm sorry. I, there's just so many salads and, and, and plain chicken I can have. I, I got I to gotta go for, for a gyro, a, a <laughs> double cheeseburger, something after this. But it feels good to be back in the saddle. So I'm going to try to maintain it. For the last three days, my wife and I, we've been back on keto and it already feels it feels better from a health standpoint. It doesn't feel better as far as the selection of things I have to eat. Every time I eat something, I think about what I could be having at that particular time. But at the end of the day, I feel like all three of us decided that we had serious health goals and we were going to have to make changes in order to be able to achieve them. So. Yeah, you know, sacrifices must be made, and that's kind of what I just keep telling myself. Well, the the yeah. thing is now, what's next? I mean, this is only a twenty one day plan, so now I got. I mean, it's it's on us mm-hmm. to figure out now what's going to come after the twenty one days, which I'm I've been trying to research now. Uh, so you know, who knows what it's going to hold after that? But I know I want to keep moving and and make my diet healthier. I, I obviously don't want to keep mm-hmm. this diet going. I, I can't maintain that, but <laughs> I'm just going to try to get healthier. That's, that's part of the reason why I decided not to do a diet or a cleanse or something like that, because I felt like I needed to get into something that I could do as a complete lifestyle. Because at the end of the day, that's what I'm going to need, a, a lifestyle change that I could do for the rest of my life. And so... Yeah, I I love cheese and keto allows me to eat as much cheese as I want. So 
this works for me for right now. So I've had so many people like they suggest so many of these diets and whatnot. Like, uh, what's the one? I think it's the Atkins diet, where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you can eat all the meat you want, right? Or, like this keto thing. Oh, you can eat all the cheese you want. Like it's always one thing. Apparently, you could just indulge well, and be the pig on. And, and you know it. what? People, it's not like people sell keto that way. For me personally, hmm. it's a huge thing because Ooh. I went through like a two, three month period where I was super strict on what I ate. And the thing that I missed by by far was cheese. I was thinking about pizza every damn day. You know, so with, with keto, even though I crave like grease in general and the things that I can't have in general, there's not this one thing that's constantly on my mind trying to drive me away from the, the lifestyle change that I'm supposed to be doing. And so that's why, for me, it's a little bit yeah. better. Yeah, I know they don't necessarily sell it that way, but it, it always mm-hmm. seems to be just that one niche right. or the thing that kind of draws you in. Like, they, <laughs> they each one has something everybody likes. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you can eat all this. Watch out. Come on. Come on over <laughs> here and do this thing. Here's the problem. <laughs> it's all a lie. It's all a lie because you can eat as much of the bland meat as you want. You know, you can't you can't have no salt. You can't <laughs> you can have some bland ass seasonings that they that they put together for you, but you can eat as much bland chicken as you want, you know. Like I like I can have a ton of meat. I can't finish all the meat that I can have on this plant. I can't I, I don't think I've I've finished it one day and that's it. The other days I'm always left behind on, on a little meat. But it's all bland <laughs> stuff, you know. I've been using uh, cayenne pepper like I don't know what to spice it all up. So, <laughs> so that's where the lie is. <laughs> you gonna find well, that next and one that is cholesterol and fat and cayenne pepper. Hmm. <laughs> that's over and done with. It's hold on, it's coming. It's, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> but then, day fellas, it's all about what's gonna get you there. You know. I, I mean, it, it, you're going to have to give up something. And, and all these diets are a little bit different, but they just none of them work for everybody. So it, it just depends on you got to try a few things and figure out what works for you. I ain't figured Absolutely. shit out yet. I really don't. I really have not. I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm doing. And it, it, it's even wor- it's worse on my day off. Like literally I only have one day off and I feel like I got to eat everything around me. I don't understand. Like, I could literally just make me a sandwich and maybe, like, just take me some chips or something like that, and that'd be my lunch, a little thing of yogurt, and I could just eat that. That That's my meal for six days straight, and then I have a day off, and I just, oh, my God, all the cravings just hit me all at one time. Like, oh, you're laying in the bed. Why don't you go get you some cereal? Go eat some cereal, right? But it's 3 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Shut up and go get the cereal. Right. <laughs> it, it, this shit is killer for me. I don't know what it is. I feel like I've gained more weight than what I, since I started working out. This just kills me. It, it's easier for me to be disciplined about what I'm eat, what I eat when I'm stuck at home, because eating healthier also comes with a decision that I'm not going to do Uber Eats or DoorDash, and so not only am I eating healthier, but I'm also saving money. So that makes it much more simple for me. Whereas before the pandemic, part of the hardest part of eating the way I was supposed to is I would drive by McDonald's. I would drive right by Popeye's and I'd say to myself, why wouldn't you just get something right here? Why are you going to go home, 
looking for his, trying to figure out something. Maybe you'll find something you like. Probably you won't, but you know you like what's right here. So why don't you just stop and pick yourself up something, you know? But I think I'm just going to start working out every day because I find that every time I go work out in the morning, I'm too tired to want to eat. That just, that seems really, to be a key. You. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's helping. I don't know if it's good. I just know I'm, t- I'm too tired to get up and go look for food. Because working Even out makes me hungrier. Like, when I drive home, I'm like, okay, I could stop here, but then I got to talk to 12 people. Or I got to talk to somebody <laughs> and I got to tell them what I want. Or I got to stay at this menu. I don't know. That's gone. The only thing I really do now, like, I'll stop and I'll get a smoothie over at this place in the little downtown area. That makes me feel so much better. It's <laughs> a little strawberry energizer thing. I don't know what they put in it, but it makes me feel wonderful after I work out at least two hours after the fact. Because after I go home, and shit, I either pass out or I just got to go to work. And shit, if I'm going to work, I, I just don't feel like doing anything. I really don't. I'm just like, all right, I got to go and get through this eight hours job. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, maybe I should just start working out every day. Maybe that's what I should start doing. Right. Well, regardless... Happy for you, Hudson. Glad that it's working out so far. And I hope it continues to work for you, brother. Eight pounds. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So let's get into the main topic for today. So two of you have uh, multiple children. I only have one, but I did grow up with two little brothers and an older sister. So we thought it'd be interesting to have a conversation about siblings and the effect that having new siblings can uh, have on children. So my first question is, you know, for you two, what was your personal experience with your siblings growing up? And Jason, I guess I'll start with you. I just would like to comment on the fact where you said multiple children. I don't want anybody to think I got more than two kids. Nothing like that. <laughs> so I just, I just got two. And they would do them when I married, okay? I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't have no other ones running around uh, like that. You've been little waning it up, bro. <laughs> Baby mama's all Just over that. the country. Because when you said multiple, like most, I'm pretty sure most of the women was like, oh, how many kids he got outside? His I only got the two. But the lady I married came out the same body. That's it. So, yeah, okay. Just wanted to get that clarified. Uh, so, what was, I'm sorry. Question again. <laughs> what was your... Personal experience with your siblings growing up. Okay, personal experience with my siblings. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I had two older sisters. Uh, My uh, sister, Corey, is five years older than me. And my sister, Lisa, was somewhere around 15 or 17 years older than me. Don't quite remember. I just know that apparently I was the surprise. Mm. So, I was the last one born. After they pretty much, after my parents pretty much figured out they were done, and I just popped up on them like that. Apparently, I I came in mixing it up, but for since birth, baby, I came in getting getting it hot. They didn't even know I was coming, Jack. And when I got here, it was on. So, uh, pretty much, I think it kind of went like 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 the whole three sibling thing uh, in my household, where like most 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 people, like my sister, was the middle kid who kind of lost her mind a little bit my older sister you know she was kind of doing her own thing i knew of her uh but you know she didn't really pay too much attention to me unless she had to and uh me i shit, i was just happy i shit, i had people to hang out with when i couldn't go outside so 
uh it was it was cool me and me and me and Corey didn't necessarily have a lot of uh lovely moments as brother and sister not until we got a little older we we argued a lot we fought a lot and stuff when we were younger and we were still living in the house and everything and my older sister Lisa she moved out when she was 18 so I really didn't get to know her until I got older really so it was mostly just me and Corey so it was many, uh, many, many situations where, you know, uh, our our relationship as brother and sister were tested, and there were many situations where we just kind of didn't speak a lot as we started getting older, and uh, where we've come back where we still kind of check up and we're 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 pretty we're pretty cool now where we are. So you know, like growing up, it was an interesting dynamic. I kind of feel like I was sometimes when you when you when you grow up and you look back on the way you were raised and stuff, you kind of try to figure out like how did that dynamic make us all so different since we all came and we were all raised by the same people. But uh I realized in having more kids and stuff that the way that well, the way that each kid is kind of raised or or is kind of approached is a little different. Even though you have the love for all of them the same way, they're all just kind of, you know, you're all kind of taught a little differently. Interesting. Interesting. You know, for me, it, growing up, it felt natural at the time, but looking at looking back, <laughs> I had a really weird uh, childhood experience. So I was homeschooled uh, most of my childhood. My parents pulled me out of school, I think it's second grade. And I didn't go back to school until it was time for college. And my parents did that with both of my younger brothers as well. And I feel like it kind of affected all of us differently. I hated school when I was in there. Um, So when my father said he was going to homeschool us, for me, it was great news. (laughs) I was like, please take me up out of here. For my youngest brother, uh, he always was resentful of that decision. And I feel like to some degree he carried that into adulthood. So as kids, he was always the rebel and he was always looking to do crazy things that I end up having to come behind him and, and clean up. So that was, that was always kind of our dynamic. I knew BB was going to try to find a way to do something wild. And I knew I was going to try to do whatever I could to protect him and be there for him, better or worse. Whereas my middle brother, P, I feel like, you know, it's uh, it's probably hard being the middle child, especially between uh, kids the way I was and the way um, BB was. And I feel like, you know, he didn't really, he came into his own in adulthood. As a child, he was always very, very, reserved, very closed in. And I think it also, you know, probably had to do with my father. My father, you know, he, he could be very harsh. <laughs> it was it was hard being homeschooled uh, by my father. And I feel like all three of us kind of reacted to it in different ways. Like I said, Baz was hardcore, rebelling. I don't care what you have to say. I'm trying to adapt <laughs> to this new environment, but not always doing it well. And P just kind of shut down in some ways. But, you know, 
being in that situation where we were homeschooled, you're with each other all day, every day in the house. So we became, of course, extremely close. And that carries on to this day. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my brother. So I wouldn't trade my upbringing for the world. I also have an older sister, but she was about what, eight years older than I am. And there was always some level of distance there, not hostility, but you know, she, when she would come home, she would just go in a room and close the door. You know, she was, she was spending most of the time very, very isolated. We actually got much closer when I moved out the house and we were able to communicate with each other as adults. <laughs> then that's when that real brother sister link happened. But when, you know, when we were kids, she was there, but there wasn't a lot of effort necessarily put into the relationship. But I was never resentful of my siblings. I never was like, man, you know, I wish I didn't have a brother. I wish I didn't have a sister. I, w- I always, you know, enjoy the environment no matter what I had to do. And I say that because I know some people who, as kids, couldn't stand their siblings. They were like, I wish y'all weren't here or in the house. Hudson, what about you? What was, what was your experience? Well, I got a question before we go to me. What, I mean, did was there any, like, was there any like clear cut difference that you all saw, or at least y'all felt in the moment uh, that, that you thought your parents may have been treating any of your siblings different or you differently from, from any of the others? Um, you know, for me, I, all, we, I think all three of us all always complained about, you know, you treat you treat the youngest brother differently. You know, he's he's able to get more, et cetera, et cetera. But l- looking back on it now, I I don't f- I feel like they did the best job that they could. You know, I never I never really, really, truly felt like, man, I can't get away with anything and my brothers get everything that they want. You know, I, I never really reached that point. And especially, again, looking back. I see how the experience that I had going through college, I think dramatically affected how my parents felt about my siblings when they got to college, because I was good for about the first year. And then after that, I was like, I'm sick of these rules. I'm sick of you uh, feeling like you're weighing down on me. And I just started, stopped going to class. I was flunking out of classes. My parents had a lot of issues with me in school and I, I don't feel like that helped my brother's. You know, I, there was a lot less patience there by the time our brothers started going through the school system. So, no, I don't feel res- I never really felt resentful about that. They had balance. Jason, what about you? Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think necessarily I saw anything or felt any different kind of like uh, way I was treated or any other like more like attention or anything like that I got. I personally, most of the stuff that I felt or most of the things that I learned when I was growing up was just kind of watching my sisters because I kind of took my cues off of what they did in order to, you know, keep myself out of trouble. <laughs> so like my, like my sister Corey, like, like she was like my main influencer. Like, Ooh, I better not do that. Cause that made dad real mad. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I actually, I, I got, I kind of like all everything that I got. Like we, we all were pretty much kind of taught, like kind of on the same levels. You know, obviously things change and stuff as you got older, and 
And it's just kind of the way that your interactions are with your parents and how they kind of develop and what they do. So, like I say, like most of my influence came from my sisters. Uh, my older sister, Lisa, like I said, she was she was pretty much like she wasn't a loner or anything like that. She just uh, she pretty much just stayed to herself. She had her own little group of friends and stuff. And as long as she did what she was supposed to do, she was allowed to kind of rope where she would be able to go out and adventure and just kind of do things that she wanted to do. Because by the time she turned 18, she moved out. She was gone when she turned 18. And uh, when it was just me and me and Corey, you know, like Corey kind of. I, I like to think, say that Corey went left and I, I intentionally stayed to the right because everything she was going over there to the left and doing was getting her in a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> so, oh, OK, let me let me not do that. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it, it always kind of came down to like certain things where I was able to kind of have my own character and it was kind of cool because like like my way my sister was was the way she was and the way I got to interact with my parents and stuff was a little bit different and the simple fact that I had it was I don't I don't I don't think it was I had more charisma or anything like that but it was just that like I was able to be a little bit more personable Mm -hmm. because I I was I, I was still let them in you know, I mean, I, I I wanted them to be a part of my life and I wanted them to know things about me and have conversations because I would always sit and just have conversations with my father about things I just didn't understand. And he would explain it to me as best as he could. And I, I made it a point to just, you know, get to know them and let them know who I was until I got old to the point where I didn't want them knowing a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> and that's where I like a lot of my cues came from for watching Corey like, oh. So if I don't want to get in trouble, don't let them see me do this. <laughs> so, you know, when it, when it just comes to the upbringing and stuff, I, I think we both got the same, pretty much the same amount of attention. But it, there was there were times where it was either attention given to one more person because of something that we were doing or the actions that we were in, as opposed to because I, I would notice like, oh, they seem to be giving her more attention in me and i'm fine with that mm-hmm. but it was it was just situational gotcha. so, so what about you hudson well so so i'm different from you guys in the fact that i was an only child or at least i was raised that way because you know my dad always used to tell me you know shoot son you you might have some siblings out there i don't know about you know <laughs> you know <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> he kept it honest about that. He was like, eh, "Yeah, yeah, they they might be out there. Don't be surprised if you get a phone call one of these days." I said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> um, but anyway, nice. My rate. I was raised only child, and and man, I got too much attention, a lot more attention. That I mean, I'm sure I, I was fine with it when I was like, you know, really, really young, like my kids are now. I'm sure I was fine with it, but. When I got older, that attention was, you know, and I guess that's the one thing I missed um, from having having siblings is, I, uh, you know, someone to take that spotlight off of me because not only was I the only child, I was the only son. So, you know, I was raised by a single father. So, you know, you want to do everything to make sure that his son could pass on 
<laughs> those jeans to, to some uh, to another unsuspecting woman and get and get some more uh, Medor's babies. Yep. <laughs> Hi to my wife if she's watching. Um, <laughs> so, so I mean, I guess I guess for me it, it was, you know, I don't know. I always gravitated towards towards people with large families, people who were involved heavily with life there. They're not just their parents and their siblings, but but their uncles and, and, and aunties, you know, huge families I would get involved with and, and just kind of watch how as siblings they would interact with each other. Like like, yeah, Jason, when when I got to know you, I would watch you and and how you and and Corey went or at like I would I would watch that I just I would watch some more I watch you and your brothers how y'all will interact like it was fascinating to me and you know I, mm-hmm. I I've never had to worry about there not being enough bacon by the time I got <laughs> got to the kitchen in the morning I ain't never had to worry about anything like that so but on the back end like I said I paid for it because all the attention came my way all the unwanted attention Whenever my dad just wanted to talk about something on, he heard on the radio, he he just come in there and start talking to me about it. I'm like, man, I wish I had somebody else in here that he can go talk to. It was just me. I was I was just getting hit left and right with everything. So you know. So I mean, you know, I I but I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, I, I a lot of that stuff that my dad kept trying to teach me and, and put into me, you know, it, it forced him to put every bit of knowledge he had into me. You know, there was never that, huh, uh, did I tell you, did I give you this talk? No, I, I guess I was talking to your sister. You know, there was never none of that. You know, I was the only person in there. So he would tell me everything. So I, I you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world, you know, Um well, like I said, I would gravitate towards, you know, folk like you guys and, and just kind of see how families operate, how families work. And for the most part, that's all I have to go on as I try to navigate, you know, with my family. That's all I got to go on is what I saw, you know, from you guys or and some other people that that I know, um, like to this day, just to watch my my two girls interact is just it's, it's fascinating to me. Sometimes I sit back and watch. Even when they arguing, I sit back and watch it. <laughs> so I just want to see what happens. So <laughs> again, hi to my wife if she's watching. Yeah, um, <laughs> sorry, but I let oh, it happen. Just sit there, let them argue. <laughs> let's uh, let's flip over to the kids. Um, Jason, what was Jada's reaction to getting a new sibling? If I remember right, I believe she was pretty excited. I didn't really see a whole lot of excitement in her until almost around the time Junior got here, where she was, uh, she didn't have a whole lot of questions. She didn't come like with a noise. Well, where did this baby come from? And all, the, all them weird questions, you know, kids go come and ask. It was just kind of, it is what it is. And it's, it's baby and mommy belly. All right, cool. <laughs> so, you know, she kind of, I don't know. I don't know if she was, I think she was a little disappointed that it turned out to be a boy the first time she heard it. Cause I guess she was expecting to get a little sister. Mm-hmm. But after that, I guess she kind of got her mind wrapped around it. It was like, all right, cool. I could be a big sister. I can handle that. 
ain't no problem. I said, okay, cool. So, like, I, I used to have little conversations with her and stuff before he got here, and I wanted her to be, uh, I wanted her to understand what her place was going to be since uh, she was going to be, you know, she wasn't going to be alone. She was, because when Julia got here, Jada was five. Jada was five years old already. It was one of them things where we were we were all, it was just the three of us. She was, she was getting all the attention, especially from me. Like me and Jada, we hung out on a regular basis. Like it's daddy daughter day every other weekend or every other day I had a chance to. So I wanted her to understand, like, you know, hey, you got a little brother coming. Uh, I know things are going to be a little different. I know it's just been us, but we all family. We all love and we all going to hang out together. We all going to. You're going to be treated the same way. I expect you to be the way you're supposed to be and the way that I've been learning you and well, not learning, but teaching you to be. I want you to, to to focus on those things and make sure you pass that on to your brother and take on the responsibility of being a big sister. Nice. Hudson, what about you? Well, she was that she was happy as hell. You know, she she really? when we told her, yeah, she was I mean, she was she was in the clouds about it. You know, she she was loving every minute of it, you know. Um, you know, I think immediately she started trying to trying to kiss her mama belly because, you know, I mean, of course, we told her where <laughs> baby was going to grow, you know. So. So, I mean, she was uh, she was I, I won't say it's unusual because I think a lot of kids are, are happy when they when they uh, hear about it because, she, you know, she doesn't have a concept of time and. And anything about attention, you know, at least not then. Uh, of uh, right. she didn't have any thoughts of any ramifications, and in fact, that was part of the problem because uh, we're like, we're trying to, we're trying to let her know, you know, because she's talking about all this stuff she's gonna do with with her with her <laughs> with her little baby sister, and we're like, you know, she can't quite do that. That's not happening. When she comes out, you mm-hmm. know, she's actually gonna be pretty boring when when she first comes out. She's not gonna do nothing but poop, you know. <laughs> I mean, poop. how does she feel about having a sibling now? Well, I mean, uh, I she, you know, it, it's it's funny how how it happens. She's she's still really happy about having a baby sister. Um. But I think the realities of of the uh, the attention have hit her. The realities that that we kind of uh, expect her to be the big girl that she is also hits her because you know sometimes she just wants to, you know, she's had her moments where she wants to go back to being a baby because she just she just sees that that the baby's getting carried all the time or. Or she sees that the the baby still gets food fed to her all the time, just all that kind of stuff, and it's like, you know, I miss that. You know, they they just, you know, I guess in a, in a way, what it looks like to her is that we're catering to this small human, and we just shove a plate of food in front of her and tell her to eat. <laughs> we up there, we up there treating the the little one like royalty, and we just shove food at her, eat it. You know, yeah, I guess that's how it looks to her. And but she doesn't take it as, hey, I'm getting more responsibility. I'm a big girl now, and you know I, I should be happy that they trust me with this. You know, she's not, she's not at the stage where she can kind of where she's uh, understanding that or want to understand it. So 
that's where she is now. She loves her sister to death, but you know, she she there's times that she wants to go back to being and doing what her sister is doing now and getting the attention her sister gets now. Jason, what about uh Jada? Is she still happy about <laughs> I'll be honest, like when when he first got here and for like the last five or six years, like it's been amazing to me on like the bond that they've created for one another. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I get the impression. Well, I mean, it's just like any big sister have a little brother that just kind of get on her nerve from time to time. But like to sit and listen to them, like interact with one another and the way they talking, you think they were best friends. And then at them times where she's like, Jerry, please get away from me. You know, and she's getting older and I expect that to happen. You know, she's going to have her own, but, but like, even when she's like hanging out with her friends and stuff like that, like Julia's like alone for the ride. Like, Hey, them, your friends, they my friends too. It's like, Hey, Julia, well, that's not necessarily, no, I'm going to hang out with Jada and our friends. And I'm like, all right, well, (laughs) <laughs> just make sure you keep an eye on your little brother and don't don't let that happen to him. And I think, like, I think it's cool, like, just just the, the love and stuff that they kind of share between each other and how they're concerned about one another and how they actually kind of just pick up from one another without, like, either me or Cynthia really asking. Like, if Jado see Junior kind of struggling through his e-learning or something like that, she'll literally stop what she's doing, and she'll go out and she'll she'll go and help him out, get himself together and stuff like that. And even Junior will mess around, and he'll try to help Junior out in some weird way to make her kind of feel better. Like, if she, he, she's always rubbing her back or something like that. Jada, you don't feel good? What's wrong with you and stuff? So it's, it's kind of cool and whatnot to see how they've created this relationship between each other and the bond that they've created for one another. And Do you feel like Jada takes on more responsibility now since Jason Jr. has been born? Well, to be perfectly honest, I kind of one of the things that, like I said, like I tried to explain to him before he first got here was that number one, the thing I want you to understand is your job is to be a kid, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's the only responsibility you have when it comes to your little brother doing things and and. And when it comes to taking charge and stuff like that, I want you, I want me and your mother to be the ones doing that. But we're also going to teach him to respect you and to respect your word and everything else. And it didn't really work out like that in the beginning because Junior really never did anything she said for like the first three, four years. She was like, Junior, get off of that table. And she, he kind of looked at it like she was crazy. Like, no, you're not my mama, you're not my daddy. So she resorted to just kind of dry snitching all the time. Joe, you know you're not supposed to be on that tape. Get off the tape. So that's how she kind of handled the situation. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like just being more like the responsibility, I think she just took on is the fact that this was her little brother and she needed to look out for him. Like she she it was she knew it wasn't her responsibility to take care of him, but she did know it was a responsibility to look out for him until he was able to kind of do it on his own. And she still, like, to this day, she still kind of takes on different situations and she tries to either, you know, she'll she'll take up for him, she'll teach him something that maybe he don't know and she just happens to know. And they both, just, they have a great interaction with each other on it. Hudson, what about you? Well, you know, like, because uh, my oldest is only five. Um, so, you know, we, we, we try not to, we don't really give her any responsibilities beyond what we think a five-year-old 
should be able to do. Um, you know, one of the things I, I try to, I, I know I try to definitely stress to, to her is, is that, you know, it really, you want to help. It, it really, it's really helpful that you do the things that we ask you to do. Cause uh, you know, I tell her, if we don't have to worry about you doing X, Y, and Z, then we're not going to have so much trouble when, <laughs> when, when, when the youngest one starts acting a fool. You know, if we know we can trust you to do what you're supposed to do, it's a lot easier all the way around. And I mean, other than that, right. I I do a lot of um, I do a lot of uh, uh, fake responsibility, so to speak. You know, and, and what I mean is you never know what's going to happen. Right. You never know when when, you know, there's going to be something that happens where she she and her. Like I said, I, I don't like to take chances like that. So there's times like I'll go to the kitchen and I'll have her, I'll say, okay, because now my youngest is of the age where I think they should be able to play in the front room and and I don't have to be sitting right there on top of them. So I'll be in the kitchen and I'll have her, my oldest, come to the front room and sit and sit with her and say, yeah, just play with her. Just, you know, let me know if anything happens. I'm in there cooking dinner. Just, you know, if something happens, just let me know. I'll come in there. And and so that's in a way I'm trying to get her used to, you know, kind of watching her little sister, looking out for her in that way. But as far as the responsibility of it, you know, not really giving her anything that we wouldn't normally give her. Um, you know, I'm definitely not having her babysit at this point. You know, um, as as much as we like to, because I, you know, I love to get a weekend, weekend, uh, me and the wife can get away for a weekend, you know, but the law won't allow us to let our oldest watch my youngest. <laughs> you know, the law is tricky that way. <laughs> That's a quick way to get your kids taken. That's how they come pick them. So, and, and we decided that we don't want that to happen. So, so we decided, okay, we're, you know, we're not going to go that route. But I think she's handled it pretty well. So, so you know, day by day, it's you look day by day and see, you know, maybe I can give her a little bit more of this and, and let her have that, you know. But it's mainly going to involve things that she would be doing by herself on her own, not necessarily in terms of watching mm-hmm. her sister or helping her sister, so to speak. How do you balance how much attention each child gets? I honestly, I haven't even even really tried. I haven't even really tried to, Mm. to per se balance and, and, and figure that out. I I just kind of go off of how my kids react. Um, So my youngest one, obviously when when my youngest one wants time, she's just going to come get in my face, start climbing on me and, you know, that that's the great thing about little, you know, the 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 younger ones. Time. Yeah, they're they're just gonna come along. I I don't care what you're doing. Hey, you know, she likes to grab me by this by this beard here. Since this this is there, she's gonna grab me by the beard and pull me over. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I say, Owie, no, 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 owie. <laughs> you know, but she keep on grabbing it. And she say, I want daddy's attention. So she comes along, and that's how I know, oh, you must want attention. Okay, well, let's give you some attention right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the hardest part is when they both 
want it at the same time. But they don't want to both do the same things. So, you know, of course, one wants me to come see what the Barbies are doing, you know, and I keep saying I didn't know Barbies could do anything. They're they're not alive. Wait, what are they doing? You know, (laughs) we need to get rid of them if they're doing stuff on their own, you know, and the other one one just wants to grab me and wants me to jump around with her. I mean, she's happy making faces and jumping around, but she wants me to do it. So, you know, so, so that's, that's the only times where it gets, okay, how do I, how do I manage this? You know, maybe I can jump around with a Barbie in my hand. I don't know, you know, so, (laughs) but, um, it is it is a challenge. It is a challenge, but I haven't thought of any systematic way to to figure it out. What about you, Jason? You say you don't have any real system in or this, balance in the grand scheme. But I, I walk in the house, man. I'm I'm tired now. I just I walk in the house, and I just I do what I got to do. Luckily for me and the dynamic of my household, at this point, like literally when Jada was born, she was attached to my hip. Like, literally, it was just me and her the majority of the time. And my wife would actually kind of get an attitude, like, why this little girl all up on my husband? It's like, well, you know, my daughter, so we going we gonna to go to the zoo while you go to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we hang out. So it's been basically the same thing with Junior, where Junior is attached to his mother's hip. He a mama's boy all day long. So when it comes to the attention and stuff, it, it, it's, it's awesome that I have a wife and it's it's nice that we have a home where we're we're able to kind of split up the responsibility because there's no point where one of them feels like that the other one's not getting attention because they're getting attention from either one of us at any given time. So mm-hmm. like it's just like Junior, like the majority of the time, like I would love to spend as much time, but I would love to go out and just take him out and do man stuff all the time. But like right mm-hmm. now, I just don't have the energy. And I know it's gonna be it's a lot of people out there be like, oh, he's gonna spend all that time with his mama and he he gonna be a mama's boy, woo, this and that. Hey, as long as the boy can earn his own paycheck, as long as he can take care of himself, he can wipe his own ass, I give fuck. I really could. You I'm say not- that now. As much as you complain about these little rappers and these skinny jean wearing brothers well, out here, I'm gonna put it to you like that. Turns out to be like one of them, you go but pissed. you know Cynthia. But you you know sure. Cynthia. Do you believe Cynthia is gonna raise him to be like that? That yeah. like I say, that's one of the things I don't have to worry about. I really don't. Especially with I mean, in the grand scheme, like shoot, the, the way she is and then when it comes to church and everything else and, and how we do our family dynamic, I, I don't have to worry about my son being a mumble rapper wearing skinny jeans up on his ass now, and the tightest well, shit. Now, in the world. Wait, I don't now, now now ain't I, I guarantee you, Lil Uzi Vert's parents did not raise him to implant a diamond in his forehead. I, I guarantee you. They Do you believe he had parents? I, I, you Google his parents right now. Tell me who they are. Dude, I'm telling you. they didn't, Whoever raised him did not raise him to put a diamond in his forehead. I guarantee it. <laughs> that boy wasn't raised by nothing. Okay? He just showed up. He just showed up somehow, and he put a diamond in his forehead. I, I, I don't, I don't blame that on parenting. I, I no, I don't even know how that happens. To me, my my biggest thing is that we all spend time together, we all hang out, we all do we do things together, where it's not just one kid just getting the attention or vice versa, whatever the case may be. 
I want us all kind of doing the same thing. And I try to focus on that as best I can. But if there's if there's a situation where one is getting more attention than the other one, I'm not aware of it. And it's not to say that it's not happening. But I like to think that we all kind of should share a dynamic that we we all spend time with each other and we get what we need from one another. If one's not there, because I shit, I work six days a week. So there are times when shit, they don't see me for days. I leave on the weekends and shit, I'm gone before they wake up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's I, I and I try to I try to keep things open to the point where they can if they need to talk to me. Or like if they feel like they can't, Cynthia likes to they 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 talk to Cynthia and they'll and she'll relay things to me. Where like even like with Jada, like she has some concerns about something that she would like to talk to me about, but she's like, I don't think Dad would be receptive and stuff like that. And she would coach me up to it, and I would I would prepare the way I need to in order to talk to her. So, have, do you ever get complaints from your kids saying that they feel like they don't get enough attention? Haven't heard them yet. I'm sure it's gonna come. Like I, like I, Jada likes you work too much. I'm <laughs> every time you leave the house, you're going to work. I'm getting tired of it. I'm like, and Julia, <laughs> like Julia, literally got my schedule down. Like it's Thursday. Okay, Daddy's off today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he always oh, Friday, so you got to go to work. But you got you ain't got to be there till two, so you can hang out with me. Uh, even after uh, once I get off from lunch, you gonna go and you gonna get ready for work. I'm like, how the hell? You know what? Stop knowing my schedule <laughs> better than me. You know what I'm saying? He'll literally, he'll literally like tap me on the shoulder like that. It's time for you to get ready for work. You know, it's after I went back to school from from lunch. I'm like, <laughs> yo, that's awesome. That's awesome. Somebody looking out like, hey, you know, right? Oh snap, I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> and if I'm fucking around, I sit around too long. He'll actually bust out, be like, oh, what you do? Call off today? Like. <laughs> like, <laughs> like no, son. I'm, I'm like even, like this weekend. He he already he 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 said it to me. I was on my way into my room, and he was over in class getting ready to wrap up. And he was like, "Dad, today I know it's Thursday, Friday. I know you got to go to work, but I know you already took off fr- uh, Saturday for my birthday, right?" And I'm like, "I don't even remember talking about this to you. <laughs> I really don't." So it, it's interesting that they notice and they and they actually pay attention to what it is I'm doing. And every now and again, it's like I say, they'll they'll bust out one of them little quick little comments like you you work too much. Like we want to see you. We want to we want to hang out. We want to do this. Or like right. if I do see you, you too tired because you go to work all the time. And I'm like, well, Daddy got to do what he got to do. He got to make sure y'all right. So as long as y'all right, then I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you, fellas. I appreciate you all sharing your experiences, <laughs> talking about how your children are adapted to having new siblings, and it'll be interesting to see how the situation continues to develop. Now, as we always do on this podcast, we end in sports, and I actually have no idea what we're going to talk about because I feel like there's nothing going on with the Bears, at least nothing we find particularly interesting. We talked about the Super Bowl last week, except as I recall, last week, Hudson, you wouldn't name who you thought was actually going to win because you said you need to see more time and who's going to be on the injured list and all that kind of stuff. Speaking of which, I know there are a couple of Chiefs players who ended up getting their hair cut by somebody who has COVID. Are they going to have to sit? 
or are they going to be able to play? Is, was that for real? I saw that headline. I never read it, but I saw it. I thought it was like a joke or something like that. Like, what do you mean no, they barbered? That really happened. Yeah, and apparently the barber had a line of about 20 people when he uh, he, he got the news that he Man. tested positive for COVID. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't remember, though, which two chief players it was who supposedly got the haircut by him. But, I mean... It doesn't make me change my pick at all. Whoever it is, I don't care if it's freaking Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes will figure it out, and he's going to overcome. Hudson, have you made a decision yet about who you feel like is going to win? Not yet. I mean, I, I haven't looked at. I haven't. I haven't even begun to look at look at the injury reports because I don't trust them before like a, a day or a couple days ahead of the <laughs> ahead of the right. uh, game. Anyway, it's all it's all just smoke and mirrors trying to make people, you know, trying to make the other team <laughs> catch them off guard, you know. Oh, Tariq Hill is on the right. injured list. Oh, he's hurt. Oh, look, he's making a miraculous recovery. He's going to come in. He's going to play, you know. Like, I don't, I don't trust any of that shit right now. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, right. gotcha. so I haven't begun to think about it, but I, I want to wonder what you guys thought of, what y'all think of the the Matt Stafford, Jared Goff, uh, uh, trade there. That was a, the, the first big move of the of the offseason. I didn't understand it personally. I, <laughs> I don't, the Rams have just been like, I guess they, I don't know. Like, maybe people take too much stock in the first round picks. Maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe, maybe that's what it, because they gave up two first round picks, a third, and they quarterback. To the Lions for Matthew Stafford, and that was it. And money, so a lot of money. <laughs> well, most is, of that it. money was dead. Most of that money is transferred between the contracts that they have. Like literally, the Rams lose out on twenty-two million in dead money because of what they owe golf. And then the you're Rams? picking up Stafford's contract, which is that you got to pay him another what was it forty-three million, something like that. Rams believe that they have a championship team right here, right now, and that they were a quarterback away. And you think and Matthew so they were like, Stafford was the answer? They, Matthew Stafford, to me, is no worse than Joe Flacco. They're not yeah. trying to get a quarterback extraordinaire. They just want somebody who's going to put a few points up on the board and is not going to make ridiculous mistakes and is relatively durable. That's that's all they're really going for right now because they believe they have a squad that can compete if they just get some decent quarterback play. And if you believe that you can win it all right here, right now with one more piece, why not give up a first round uh, pick for that piece? First round picks go bad all the time. It's not like that's like a guarantee type thing. Right. So, uh, you know, I understand that they should not be given away loosely, but if you truly believe you've already got that squad, why not give it up for that one piece that is going to get you to the Super Bowl? Now, the question is, is Matthew Stafford really the missing piece? And are they a Super Bowl squad now? My answer is they ain't getting past the Chiefs. And if Brady comes back next year, which I assume he would, they ain't getting past the Bucks neither. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see how they're a super, super Bowl squad. But best of luck to them. Best of luck to them. I, I just don't see what they see in the rest of the squad that they have. I think they have a lot of, of faith in Sean McVay. 
I think that's where a lot of that stock in him goes real far to make a decision like that because they believe that he not only not only is he a good coach, but I think that he feels that they motivate their team and he might be the next step in what gets them to, you know, that Super Bowl again. And it's just it's just weird to think about because you you got rid of golf who got you to a Super Bowl. And even if you don't necessarily want to give him the credit for it, he was that piece who got you there. He was a different guy back then, though. He it was two years ago. Yeah, two golf is miles away from where he was at that Super Bowl run. He, <laughs> he, he is a mile away from that now. Um, I, I know because I had him in subsequent fantasy leagues. <laughs> and I remember what he was doing in that Super Bowl run, and I definitely know what he did this year because he was on my squad this year, <laughs> and he's miles away, brother. But what I will say is I, I think they had a better running attack then than they do now, mm-hmm. and all, and also I, I think I think what we have to understand is that that general manager has been in place for like six or seven years now. Uh, and they have went downhill from that from that Super Bowl run. They have just, you know, they still make the playoffs or something like that, but they're they still they're steadily going down. And I think they're on the hot seat. Even McVay, I think he's he's not necessarily in a comfortable position. I think they thought they had the pieces to win, and they didn't. And now they're now they're in like a bear situation where now they got to do something to try to spark this thing up. I think Stafford gets mm-hmm. the ball downfield at this moment in time better than golf. Uh, golf is a, is just so, playing it safe right now. So two years ago, when they went to the Super Bowl, golf had 32 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, along with 4,600 yards, all right? Mm-hmm. The following year, 2019, his yardage stayed the same, but he had 10 less touchdowns along with four more interceptions. And then this past year, he didn't crack 4,000. He got 3,900, which is, you know, still quality, but he only had 20 touchdowns. Uh, So touchdown numbers keep going down, and he had 13 interceptions. And I think he was injured a few times, too, so I think that kind of goes to your line of durability, too. So Yeah, so he's just not that guy. Now, Matthew Stafford – Well, even in the – uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say that even in that same statement, though, golf, his first two years, he wasn't that guy. He literally only really had one good season, and that was the one that got him to the Super Bowl. That was right. his sophomore season, right? That was his second year. No, it? that was his junior. That, that was, was his third. third year in the league. That was his third year? Okay. So third year, he just it's almost – when you look at his stats over the years, I agree with you. His first two years were still terrible. It almost looks like an anomaly. Mm-hmm. It looks like that wasn't the real deal, and now he's crashed back to earth. Yeah. Whereas Stafford, like Nick has Foles, been when he won that Super Bowl, the of his career. <laughs> um, Matthew Stafford has been very consistent over the course of his career, and even more importantly, he takes care of the ball much better than Jared Goff does. Like he does it. He's only had one season where he had no. He's had two seasons where he had. 30-plus touchdowns, Mm -hmm. so he's not a touchdown machine, but the interceptions stay around the 5 to 10 range, so he's much better at taking care of the ball. My problem with Stafford is he just comes from a losing organization, and and I think he'd be a great upgrade to what the Bears had, 
but uh, you know, I'm I'm not quite not quite certain that he's he's the Super Bowl, not at this stage. I've been talking about championship culture and how culture has to go through an organization in order for you to be able to win for the past year now with eye rolls and derision from you all. Mm-hmm. But now that the Bears are out of the, of the playoffs and no longer being spoken about, now you want to talk about the effect that coming from a losing organization has and maybe he's bringing that losing culture to somebody else. It's now because of who you were saying had the winning culture. You were saying it was Nick Foles. It's not. He does. It's not. He has no winning culture. Anomaly. Just like you said. Anomaly. Anomaly. There's nothing to say that. that. Anomaly. (laughs) What what, what do you... Wait, so... Okay, so in in the grand scheme of it all, I kind of feel like with the trade, like hopefully bringing Stafford into this culture that seems to already be in LA is that he has to be the one to learn the championship culture. I think he's going to, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have been to, to they've been to a Super Bowl. They've been the most Super Bowls than him. Oh yeah. But they've been there. They've even won playoff games. Matthew Stafford's only won one. You know, this is the last time I'll come back to this, but it's y'all are blowing my mind right now. I've spent the past year talking about a guy who won the Super Bowl, who led the team that won the Super Bowl, can bring that championship mentality to the Bears. Y'all rolled your eyes, said I was full of nonsense, blah, blah, blah. Now we're talking about the Rams, the team that lost the Super Bowl. None of the people in that organization know a damn thing about winning a Super Bowl. But you're convinced that they have this championship culture that Stafford is supposed to come and learn. Well, I, I'm confused. Well, here's the thing. Somebody, here's what I feel on when it comes to culture. I feel like if you want if you want to talk about culture and on a championship team, you got to be able to get to the championship. Okay. So you have to establish something. Now, it's not to say that, and I'm only going off of this because this is the, the subject of culture and stuff that you like to bring up, is what I'm trying to convey is, is, is some somehow Sean McVay is going to have to put this into Stafford now that he's taking him on as his quarterback. Personally, I, I'm, I'm confused by the whole thing because I think Matthew Stafford, I don't, if you're looking for a game manager, I think you could have found one at a cheaper price. Me personally. Now, granted, it, it ain't a whole lot of folks out here right now, but you wait a little while, people were going to come available. Well, they 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 had you no know wait I mean? to you them. They're on the hot so seat. Fast. They're on the hot seat. There's no wait for last year. Yeah, but, um, but being in the hot seat and making such a fast decision like this, we barely, we ain't even in the offseason yet. And we don't know whose contracts. We don't know who's going to get cut. We don't know who's going to become free. We know who's going to become free agents and stuff like that. A better quarterback than Matthew point. Stafford is not going to become available. But here's the problem How with you know that. that. But, Jason, here's the problem with that. Sean Watson is sitting out here looking for a trade right now. Here's the problem, though. Here's and the, the Rams wouldn't be able to get them. They'd have to give up Aaron Donald. Come on now. Here's the they problem just gave that. up two first-round picks and a third and a quarterback. You telling me the Texans wouldn't have took that? Because the Texans are trying to see how much they can get. 
Do, do you know how many people are calling for Deshaun Watson? Half the league is not satisfied with their quarterbacks right now. More than half the yeah. league. This but, is unprecedented. But what the I Rams seen just did a just year basically like said they'll give up whatever they want. I haven't seen a year like but so will the Jets. So will the Jets. So will the I, Dolphins. I haven't so heard will, the Jets make a move yet. You know, everybody's they calling. Will. But they just made this move so fast. And Deshaun Watson had been talking about trade before Stafford did. So why not make that same move? Deshaun has proven that he's next level. I don't think the Rams have the cap room to keep Deshaun, to be honest with you. Yeah, that might be the whole other thing. But they just they just got rid of the quarterback that they gave a new contract to. That's why they got $22 million in dead money right now. And he's not making Deshaun Watson money. And you just picked up Stafford's contract. Stafford's contract probably isn't all that hot either. Well, I know he's into the – but he has signed a new contract with Detroit like maybe two or three years ago. So they still taking a hit. But here's the thing. And that's you, even more in the $22 ask, million that they owe golf. We're asking why they made the move so quick. But the thing is, is, is if you wait, you're – I mean, you're against – you, there's no guarantees you get Watson just because you want him. There's no guarantees you get. You know how many people are going to be after Watson. They're after him. But even the Bears but have if called you in on the hot him. Seat, but if you in the hot seat like you say they are, then you like, make sure you get somebody jumping that the you gun? think is better than like what that? you got. Or else you might end up with nothing like the Bears have time and time again. Well, the Bears ain't never they, the Bears ain't gonna end up with shit because they don't know how to make them type of moves. They don't have an organization. <laughs> they don't have executives that know how to do that type of shit. They just don't. They they never have the Bears. Tell me the last splash other than Khalil Mack that the Bears have made ever. So last year, Deshaun Watson signed a four year, one hundred sixty million dollar yeah, extension. He just signed a whole new contract, which I thought yeah. was weird in the first place that he was asking for a trade. Like, didn't he just sign his contract? And it just kicked off this year. So he in his well, actually, year. Actually, that brings me to the one topic I did want to uh, bring up. Might did you all see Brett Favre's comments about what Deshaun Watson is doing? Oh, didn't he say something about, like, you just supposed to play? And, He's uh, basically said, you get paid too much yeah, you get paid to, too to too complain, much. and you should just sit and ride the wave and, you know – when did Brett Favre do that in his career? I was about to say, like, didn't he fuck around and play? He played the shit out of Green Bay, went and got him a book. He, he went and stole some money from the Jets because he only played for them for a year. And I think he signed a two or three year contract with them. Fucked them mm-hmm. over, took their money. Then he went over and he played for the Vikings for a little while. Right. And that, yeah, I, I find that shit funny. That's, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Really, Brett? That, that kind of talk puts up the game because, uh, I mean, players should want to win. And and what Houston did made it look like they just don't want to win. And and the worst part is they didn't bring their, their franchise quarterback in on what they're trying to do. Even if they're trying to do mm-hmm. something really good in the long run, they didn't tell him. They didn't right. tell him. How many teams have you seen in history where your quarterback throws 4,800 yards – 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions, and the team goes 4-12. and 12. Who would have thought a quarterback would get those kind of numbers and the team goes 4-12? and 12? Like, who would think that? 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, obviously, it's like you're trying to tank. Why? When they were just, what, 11 you know, and 5 a year ago? A barely <laughs> offensive line, no wide receivers, and hell, didn't have a running back either. You know, <laughs> he was still successful. Like you're trying to turn into the Lions is basically what you're trying to do. And, and as oh, as a, he should and he should call him out. He should call him out. Stafford should have asked for a trade years ago, years ago, but he decided to just sit there. I like, I like what Martellus Bennett said. He's uh, on Twitter. He said regarding Brett Favre's comments, white QBs can demand a trade dictate who the team brings in the building but when black qbs exercise their power motherfuckers like brett Favre start the oppressive talk get the fuck out of here mm-hmm. eli manning was drafted and told a fucking team he didn't <laughs> want to play for him. <laughs> <laughs> ain't no way in hell i'm going to the charge you must be crazy. Come on now <laughs> like uh yeah i'm good i'm good on this <laughs> Hey, well, come yeah. on now. And, let, and let's be honest, right. yeah, it, it, with our with our own quarterback problems, let, though, I tell you, Deshaun Watson in his right mind wouldn't want to come here. How would he see this as any different than Houston, where he's at now? Right. Yeah. Right. And and that's another thing about it is that these quarterbacks kind of, even though they're getting traded, and ultimately the GMs and all that are going to decide it. These players have a say in where they go. They try to respect them and where they want to go. They try to respect that. So, you know, like I said, just because they want Deshaun Watson, don't there's no guarantees and you can't hold on that. And heck, there if you right. if you look at Houston's news, they're they're telling teams that they aren't shopping Deshaun Watson. So there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth as to whether this is all a ruse or not. We don't know what Houston's gonna do. Mm, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting all season, regardless, brothers. I just like to, I would like to wonder. I, I just wonder, like I wonder if if the Rams actually did throw that kind of a deal at them. I mean, that shit sounds wonderful. Not not <laughs> yeah. only because what, what what was the price of the uh, contract that, that Deshaun signed? He he got one hundred sixty million, one hundred sixty million, and and you could dump that whole contract off on a whole other team. Get two first round draft picks and a third and a quarterback. That I don't know. That sounds like a pretty good damn deal to me. But but see, we're, we're like talking say, about. I guess it all depends on where you are. But we're talking about Watson, and which people are putting in esteem is almost as high as Mahomes right now. You know, people people are going to mm-hmm. offer three first rounders. People going to offer the match that they can offer. You can't offer more than three first rounders, three future first rounders. You know what I mean? Per mm-hmm. per like NFL rules or whatever. People are going to offer that to get Deshaun Watson because yeah. look at the caliber below that. There's just look around the NFL. You real you don't have people like that around right now. No. They're not a dime dozen. That's just why I'm surprised they offered it for Stafford. Like he ain't there. <laughs> he ain't there for me. Like no dog. Like yeah, he's stable. Yeah, he's been around for a while, but he played for Detroit and Detroit shit. The boy only seen one playoff game. <laughs> so, but I don't know. Maybe they. Mm, that's weird to me. I don't know. Regardless, it's going to be an interesting uh, year next year, as it always is with NFL football. <laughs> All 
I want to thank all of you for joining us here at SJH Man Cave. We appreciate you spending time with us today. Remember that you can hear this and other episodes on all your major podcast platforms. We are on YouTube at SJH Man Cave. Once you're there, please hit that subscribe button, like, and leave a comment. You can also like, share, and follow us on Facebook at SJH Podcast Family and at SJH Man Cave. I would like to thank my two fellow podcasters, Jason and Hudson, for keeping it real. Until next time, this is your host, Samori, signing off.